What's up, everybody? Joe Sib here with you and my co-host, Anaya Bogue. Rad Parenting, taking over your next 30 to 40 minutes. If you're on the Stairmaster going for a jog, we are going to have a blast together. You're going to hear both our voices in your head. Also, if you're on the way home from work to work, it's also a good time to listen to Rad Parenting. The best thing about doing this show is we get to hear from you, and that's what this show is all about today. Uh, basically, Anaya, we got um, a letter, an email, and you can always email us, everybody, at radparenting at gmail.com. Once again, radparenting at gmail.com. Part of the Rad Parenting community, one of our listeners hit us up, and it's basically about, um, I'm just going to read the letter because I think it described, first of all, I love um, basically what they say at the beginning. Good evening, Anaya and Joe. I love your show. Yes, you do. And I try Thank to listen you. as much as I can. All right, this is where we're getting into the meat of the question. I have an almost five-year-old, which is the main reason that I don't listen as much as I would like to. <laughs> I get it. That will be starting her second year of preschool next week. She will have uh, same teachers and many of the same classmates as last year, so I'm uh, less nervous than I was last year than I am this year. One concern that I have, and I still have, that I'm hoping you would have some tips for me regarding is the stress that comes along with dropping her off in the morning. We all know that stress. When she first started last year, she was totally fine. We would discuss what was going to happen, and when we got there, everything was cool, and she split. Then she says, it was great. Then out of nowhere, this is where you come in, Anaya, then out of nowhere, about halfway through the year, she started to give me some pushback about leaving her at school. She'd cry, and she'd make a big scene. No one likes the scene. Uh, because she didn't want us to leave or didn't want me to leave. I feel like I've tried everything and nothing seemed to make much of a difference. When I pick her up in the afternoon, she's in a great mood and she never has anything bad to say about the school. She's an only child. <laughs> Please provide any tips that you may have that might help. I'm already dreading the first week because I have no idea how she's going to react. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. That is from our friend Allison. Um, all right. Right there. Separation anxiety comes to my mind. Yeah. Uh, I've been there. That's a psychological term. I've been there. I know. Look at me. Joe Sib Joe throwing Sib. out. The psychological terminology. There you go. Did he Google that or does he know it? That's the question everyone's <laughs> asking themselves right now. Uh, what I, I have so much uh, empathy for, for what she's going through because I remember when my kids were both young, we would experience the same situations. Uh, at first, everything's cool. And then as we continued drop off or continued the school year out of nowhere, it would go from the morning time ritual of, hey, we're dropping you off. And then all of a sudden there would be pushback. Um, and then it would go away, but I can understand. And obviously this was sent a few weeks ago before school started. Sorry, we didn't get to it right away, but I think it's something that we can take right now because someone might potentially have some pushback going on or they might be in the current situation. Yeah, like things started out well and now it's just like you said, all of a sudden exactly. it's sideways. Mm -hmm. So so my question to you and A is, you know, I threw out the term separation anxiety because uh, I thought I was rad and I knew that term. <laughs> uh, is that potentially what's going on with this situation? And how how real is separ separation anxiety? I know that it is real because you know I've seen it firsthand, but yeah. I also you know, sometimes could be like, oh, well, maybe it's just this moment in time this is happening. Can separation anxiety, you know, turn into something that's much bigger than just a drop off in the morning? 
Uh, what are some things? This mom seems like she's super in touch with, hey, I had the conversation before. We had the conversation afterwards. I think she's looking for some tips, some tools to put into her parenting box mm. of how she can get through this situation that's occurring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I think maybe a bigger picture through line that she's looking for maybe of other potential hiccups she might be able to avoid with some of these tools that you might offer us right now. Okay. Wow. So there's a whole bunch here. And I'm okay. So let's first talk about separation anxiety as a, as a thing. It is most common in kids between the ages of one and four and, and very natural. Um, what we have to watch out for. So, so two things, one, it's really important as with most things that while they're little, we are, we are putting things in place to help them be in, be in the best shape possible as they get a little older. Some of it is going to take care of itself just developmentally as they get older. And that's really what we're looking for is if it's still, if the separation anxiety is still super intense as they're moving into their elementary school years, it's probably something to take a closer look at in a variety of ways. Um, so let's just talk about just the average, the average kid. Yeah. For this example right here, everything was cool last year, about halfway through the year, something changed for this little young mind that made them worry Mm -hmm. when mom was going to leave in the morning. So first and foremost, I think, especially when a precedent has been set, like your kid has been doing really well. And all of a sudden there's a shift in emotion or behavior around doing that same thing. It is really, really important that you have a conversation that you, you say, what's going on? Like, was there something at school? Did you, and you can, I mean, if sometimes it's, it's difficult, right. For kids to, at this, at this young age to sometimes be able to like, remember all the experiences or to put words to those experience. So we have to, in whatever way possible, and sometimes it'll take three or four tries, ask questions that without planting seeds are getting them to tell us a little bit more about their day so that we might be able to pinpoint like, is he or she being bullied? Um, is, did they see something scary happen at school? Were they left out? Were they, you know, it could be a variety of things. What about just asking the question when mommy or daddy drops you off, do you get scared that we're not going to come back? Or is that too much leading them in the direction? Or is it almost when I drop you off, what makes you feel afraid that you don't want? The most open-ended question possible. And I want to just add to that, thank you for this cue, that what I want to say right off the top is the energy that we bring to the situation is going to have an enormous impact on what the child is experiencing. So in other words, what we will tend to do, and let me just use a slightly, let's just take a step away from this just a little bit and use like a food analogy. So if we keep reminding our kid that, oh, well, yeah, oh, you don't really like vegetables, so I won't give you that. Or I know you don't like broccoli, but you're having some... Don't keep reminding the kid that they're afraid or that they don't like the vegetable. Just in sometimes we have to behave as though the thing that we want to happen is already happening. My best friend and who I'm partners with at Side One Dummy, we've been you know best friends and working together for 23 years. Yeah. Uh, up until he got married, which is I think like you know maybe 15 years ago, he we would go to sushi and he go, oh, I can't have rice. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I'm allergic to rice. And I was like, really? And he's like, yeah. And I go, how do you know you're allergic to rice? He goes, well, my mom told me I'm allergic to rice. Bill, don't eat rice. You'll get sick. So he's a grown man at this point. We're having sushi and he would only have sashimi because he was convinced he was addicted. He he would violently get sick from having rice. So he starts dating his now wife and she loves sushi. And she says, hey, check it out. Deal breaker if you're not busting out sushi. (laughs) And, And, you know, he's older at this point. He's like, you know what? She goes, look. 
Eat some rice. Yeah. And if you get sick, I will take care of you. I will be there for you, and and I'll see you through this tragedy of you eating rice. Yeah. And he goes, okay. So he eats the rice, and then he comes to find out that was just something that my mom always said, be careful of rice, Right. Bill. For who knows so, what reason. I'm so curious yeah, about that. But anyway. No, but, but the, the, the idea of what you're saying backs that theory up with if you say to your son or your daughter, are you afraid when mom leaves That's that right. the car's going to spin out of control and exactly. I won't be here to pick you up? Yes. Yes. Are you afraid that people are going to come in and take you? Right. So okay. seriously, definitely don't do so that. So don't do Those that? Those are super overt <laughs> examples, but there's also the more subtle, like just energetically, if we start going, oh boy, here we go again, and we're bringing this anxious energy or this like, we're, we're, we're anticipating the worst instead yeah. of remaining, uh, basically trying to keep a grounded calm state. Like, cause you're not just going to convince your kid with your words that everything's okay. They need to f- see it in your face. They need to feel it in your energy. And yeah. so if you're getting anxious, which can sometimes even happen when you're just like, I'm going to be late for my like eight fifteen meeting. If I can't get this kid out of my car, guilty. I guilty. get it like a hundred percent and probably do what you, you're going to need to do is yeah. do, do, just and one of the things that would run through my mind, um, Wrong approach would be to be like, oh, come on, nothing's gonna happen. Why are you being like that? Come on, you're right. a big, well, or, you're or a big girl get, now. Come to on, get we got to set to get right. So probably the conversations, like the deeper conversation, is gonna have to happen in the moments in between. So in the moment when the kid is freaking out, you're probably gonna have to do your best to be like. Um, you know, I promise you everything is going to be okay. You've got all these people around you that care about you. You know, a teacher cares about you. You know, you've got your friends here. You've got the principal of the school. Like whatever, whatever things you can do to remind your child that they are not only in a safe place, as you, as you, you're saying, but also that remind them of the familiars and and remind them of like remember what a good time you had yesterday. Blah blah blah. Because the other thing that can happen that's a factor here is first thing in the morning, our kids can be tired and they can be hungry. So a breakfast super important. Um, secondly, whenever possible, giving your kids enough lead time with the whole get up thing that they're past that initial, like, I just woke up and I'm not fully awake and I'm still tired, like, and get them to bed early enough that they have enough sleep because those two hungry and tired factor are going to magnify the, the feelings of fear, the inability to hear or to be calm because they just want to be comforted because that's what we want as human beings is when we're hungry, we're tired, we just want to be comforted. I call that the morning buffer. Give yourself... Uh, yourself, both you and your partner, yeah. plenty of time before yeah. uh, the children wake up and you need to deal with them. Totally. I love having yes. my, I love, I always say coffee time and I get up, I get the coffee. Karen and I have the coffee together before the rest of the household wakes up. Yes. That's our buffer time. But I also give now, I wish I could tell you the truth with my teenager that there's the buffer time because she literally, I don't even know how she does it. It's like, you know, we have to leave at seven o'clock. I look in her room at 6.59. She's asleep. In pajamas, and I swear it's seven oh one downstairs in the uniform, backpack on it like a different person, straight from straight, wow. straight from the bed into the Prius on our way to school. So amazing! If that makes you guys feel any better, that will be <laughs> your life at some point. But with my son, who is younger, and all you know, he still needs that buffer. Yeah, get up in the morning. Yeah. We need to have the breakfast. Uh, some time where he gets to do something else. Yes, to kind of get ready, like like some sort of. 
I don't want to say activity, like it's it's not watching a TV show or anything like that. It's usually like, hey, can I skateboard in the front for a That's few right. minutes? That's right, yes. Hey, can I, uh, you know, I, it's usually With, with our little ones, it yeah. could be like if they get to play for 10 minutes or something. Exactly. And you set so a timer okay. and you, like, there's all kinds of things so that you, you buffer, can do. So that buffer, that's a great that's a great lesson right now. So it's creating the, let's call it the buffer, the in, buffer the morning, in the morning. Before we jam ourselves into the car and go for this drop off Which at can daycare. be all anxiety ridden just got by it. virtue of it being this rushed, like, we got to go, blah, uh, blah, 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 right? Yeah. So that's only going to feed into an already probably vulnerable situation. state, right? Got it. Okay. So, so that's the sort of preventative measure that you can take. I want to reiterate that it is essential, especially if this has been a shift in normal behavior that you do some invest investigating both between like, so first and foremost, talk with your kid in a way that is not alarming. Did something happen to you today? Just like what went on today? Like I, I, you know, I can sometimes, I relate to feeling that way. And sometimes if I have a tough day at work, you know, or I have an interaction that I don't feel especially good about, or I'm tired, all of those things you can cut, but you have to be careful about just giving them something to glob onto that. Like, oh, that, that seems like a good reason instead of really sort of like exploring with them what's actually going on. The second thing is respond like a back and forth with their teacher. Here's what I'm seeing in the morning. She or he has always been really good about, you know, getting up and, and getting out of my car and excited to see their friends. And the last three weeks, there's been this big change. What, please don't leave it three weeks, by the way. But as soon as you see this change, reach out and say, I'm asking her, we're talking to him about what's going on, but I need to, like, you get this kid all day. Can you tell me what you're seeing? Um, and I'd then, call that, I'd call that right now for uh, a title would be like your research mode. Yes. You're yes. in research. So you're in your research re mode to begin with. Exactly. Love with it. conversations with the kid and conversations with the other adults that see that child during the day when you're not there. Love. Um, okay. So that's a big thing. And and all the while, I want to say that because our, our kids take so many cues from us, we want to make sure that we are in the right state of being, as I was saying a moment ago, both energetically, but also in terms of like making sure that we are not contributing to... Um, to, to their to their safety. The anxiety. We're, we're, yes, we're reminding them that they're strong. We're reminding them that they're safe. We're reminding them how brave they have been. We're reminding them of the fun things they're going to get to do at school because they might not be able to call that stuff up when they're in a fear state. I love that. All of those, everything you said right there really feels that so many of us have those mornings that we might not even realize the anxiety that is surrounding us with getting out the front door that may be leading to having that separation anxiety happen once you get your child to the drop-off at the daycare or school. Yep. Okay. With all that said, we're going to take a break uh, to hear our sponsors right now. This is Joe Sib and Anaya Bogue. You're listening to Rad Parenting. Joe Sib here, Rad Parenting, hanging out with my co-host, Anaya Bogue, and we are talking about separation anxiety. We got a letter from one of our listeners uh, that basically was saying, hey, I was doing drop-off. I believe it was for daycare, five years old. Yeah. Everything was awesome. Loved going there in the morning. We had no problem at all. And then all of a sudden, about midway through the year, there was some pushback. And then all of a sudden, now with uh, the summer coming and school or daycare starting again, there's a fear on the parents' end of like, uh-oh, you know, these scenes that were happening at drop-off yep. started, you know, cutting into their day. And we all know when you're jamming to work and you got to be there for that 815 appointment and all of a sudden your son or daughter is having a full meltdown and you can't get back in the car to make that appointment. Yeah. All of a sudden on your face, you start going from the compassionate, loving parent to yeah. – 
check it out. Those clothes you have on, you're yeah. not going to have any, uh, we're not going to have any <laughs> if cash. If I can't get to work. Because if I don't get to work, so there's yeah. that tug of war. One of the, a couple of things that you just brought up that I love before the break right there was really having the conversation, what we were calling research mode, where you would discuss everything that's going on with your son or daughter and how they're feeling. Also taking the time to right away, if you notice a difference, to go right to the school or the daycare and all the uh, adults that are surrounding your child during the day, kind of asking them, hey, have you noticed something different going on? I love that research mode. But where we left off before the break, which I really, I never even really thought about is maybe the possibility of the anxiety and the morning rush and not creating that buffer before the child gets out the door and into the car and into the world, that might be something that might be leaning on them to cause the separation anxiety when you get to school or daycare. And I'm also thinking that with this particular... a uh, person that emailed us, she, you know, she was in summer mode. Is is also when our kids have gotten used to having more access to us, and then suddenly they have to make that shift to instead of me being able to see my parents all day, now I'm going to be back in this in this place. And just even though once they get into the rhythm again, it's probably going to be okay. So taking that into consideration, and the way that the, then an action step that you can take with that is before you're going before they're going to be back in this mode of the, where there's going to be separation, is start and you can do this even with your little kid in preparation for them going to school is start doing sort of um, shorter term uh, separation from them. So in other words, you might start by just like having your babysitter come over and be like, I'm just going to go to the grocery store for an hour, but I want my child to get used to knowing that when I leave, I always come back. I love that. So basically getting, I, I, I always like to say like, it's like working a muscle that you don't normally work. Exactly. So this muscle would be mom, dad, uh, are going to the store yes. or, hey, I'm, I'm going to be gone for an hour. So start that That's leading right. up to this uh, new date of drop off at daycare right. or school. So that you're demonstrating and they have the experience of when my parents say bye and leave, they always come back. And while they're gone, I'm okay. I'm safe. So it's like replacing that anticipated or imagined fearful experience with something concrete that they can call upon. And you can remind them, this is what the important brain prompts are, is remember that when we as human beings are in fear mode, we can it's more much more difficult and sometimes impossible to recall those actual moments that counter the fear. I love so that So we idea. want to give the brain prompts. I love that um, idea. Beyond that, you can also do things like um, have something that reminds them of you and let them carry it in their pocket. In their, so maybe it's you two go and pick out a stone and you paint it like in, in a way that makes you makes your child think of you and you say, you can keep this in your pocket. You no, know, I'm with you all the time. A life-size cutout of yourself. A life, or a life, you could go that Something way. Like Joseph statue. might go that way, right? Maybe a statue. This is, this is my dad, Joseph. <laughs> I it's love life size carpet. So you can definitely do some little thing that will help them um, remind, will, will remind them of you. And then it could even go with like other familiar objects. So if they were going to go and stay um, at your parents at an overnight or something like that because you're having a date night or going to a wedding weekend or whatever, that you, um, they have a familiar object that makes them feel like they're not so yeah. far away from you or not so far As away adults, from home. we do that. I still fly with a note. That Chessa gave me when she was five. That do you really? Yeah, still I fly love with the note. That, it's in my it's in my bag, and it says "Talk big, Dad." Aww, That's what it says. Yeah, that is so sweet. Talk big, Dad. That I, is so I, sweet. Can I throw out a scenario to you, just because this listener that had hit us up about this particular mm-hmm. situation, it was before school. Yeah, we're in October right now. Yeah. So I'm gonna just maybe hypothetically throw out a situation. 
she's in it right now with her yeah. daughter. Drop-offs are going terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a meltdown every morning. We, we, there, we can't even get out the front door now. Um, I don't want to say that because then you'd be like, okay, it's a deeper problem. But, but what, happens if, yeah. what happens if it's not as deep as that, but the drop-offs are hit or miss? Can she do some of these suggestions that you've suggested right now, maybe on the weekends? Like, hey, look, I know sometimes you're getting nervous when I drop you off at school. Look, today, babysitter's going to come over. I'm going to go to Trader Joe's and do our shopping, and I'm going to come back just so you can see mom always comes back or dad always comes back. Is yeah, it, sure. Can you start those? Sure you could. Even if you're in the midst of- Oh, absolutely. Have, okay. I think that at any time you can do it, that if you're implementing these key things of like your calm around the situation, you have first and foremost had a conversation with the child to, to determine that there's nothing truly bad happening at school that is, is creating this fear. And then it's like lots of reminding when you pick them up of mama is so proud of you or, or daddy's so proud of you for being so brave and, and, and staying at school this morning. I know that was hard. And sometimes I've had moments when I'm fearful and sometimes the best way to, to face our fears is to face our fears, to look them square in the eye and be like a fierce monster and be like, you're not going to take me down. Those kinds of things that reinforce the resources that our children have within themselves. And this is, I'm going to say it, one of the biggest mistakes we make as parents is we, I think sometimes subconsciously we feed on that feeling of like being needed by our child. And let me tell you, it's like, I get it a hundred percent and we are doing our children a disservice. If we don't balance, of course we want them to feel like I've got you, like I've got you no matter what. And I want you to know you've got yourself because we cannot be with our children 24 seven. And if we are constantly just, instead of helping them dig deep to find the tools themselves to face their fears, we just think we're going to be the one that's always going to make them feel better. And that makes us feel better about people bad because we can't do that forever. So the goal is always to help our kids be independent of us, to help be brave without us, to help be strong, to face their fears, to be kind, all those other things. That hurdle that you just said of wanting to be with your kids 24 seven, as much as that feeling, I know so many of our listeners have, and, 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 and also, and not in a bad way, you know, you love your kids. You want to be there for them. Yes. You want, if, they, if they're about to fall, you want to be there to catch them. But I, I totally agree with you 100% about uh, now that I have teenagers, so grateful that I was able to give them that space to be who they are and yes. allow them to not have me right there all the time because it really is allowed them now that they're older to participate in society and, and, really and also and also to not have some uh, you know some strange feeling of like is my mom or dad there is my mom or dad there because at a certain point they got to make this you know they got to sail it by themselves yeah that's right so be so be careful like be careful with the helicopter parenting be be aware of just ask yourself it's an important question am i feeding into their fear because i kind of like my gosh, like, yeah, because I kind of like the feeling of yeah. being needed like this. You were not doing our children a service and you are going to have a weight on you that there are going to be times when you need a break. And if your kids are clinging to you for dear life, then it also limits your ability to to thrive. So I think we really have to keep that in mind. Next question for the parents that are listening that are like, hey, I haven't had a situation yet arise where I drop my son or daughter off at daycare or school mm-hmm. and they don't just run in with just being super, super psyched about the whole situation ahead. Do you feel that you should still, Anea, start some of these 
practices at home just to make sure that they don't develop um, and they're able to use that muscle of, of being alone and, and not having mom and dad around. Yeah. Even if, like, so Mike, so you agree that, like, even if you haven't faced what our listeners faced with the, the separation anxiety, you should still be doing some of these things so that that doesn't ever occur? Yes. Okay. I do. I think, I mean, I've said this before and we've, I think we've even done a show on this idea that I think it's absolutely essential that we give our children the tools, the language, the ability to stand on their own because we can't always be with them. And um, I think that, you know, creating routine and doing as much of this on the front, like the front load is really important. It is not impossible if your kids are already, you know, six, seven, eight, but as quickly as possible, like get on the routine, try to get to the bottom of like, what is their fear about? What is their anxiety about? And that may also be like, let me just also add this one. Take a look at what they're being exposed to. So I think I've mentioned in a previous show about like having the news on, like just willy-nilly in the background and our kids being exposed. And and I am not Nightmare. an ad- and I am not an advocate of like, let's shelter our kids from every bad thing that could ever happen. That's not what I'm saying. But to be inundated with the way that our particular news likes to just, you know, sensationalize and put every bad thing in front of you with a little feel-good story at the end, our their, their little brains are just not and, and they don't know that they have the emotional capacity to hold that. So we also want to be aware is like, are there things in their life that have nothing to do with school that they're being exposed to at home, through the television, through our listening to our conversations, whatever, that is sparking fear in them or anxiety. And then they're applying it like to being left at school by their parents. Like if all this scary stuff is going on, I want, I have my parents close and here they are leaving me with these strangers. So, so also do a little inventory and, and check in and see what your children are being exposed to in your home that might be scary. Hey, and if you want to find out uh, more on that particular topic, we did an episode called, uh, here's the good news about the bad news Mm -hmm. where we dedicated an entire episode to just what you're talking about right there. Uh, One other thing I want to hit you up with before we get out of here for the listeners uh, with this potential drop-off pickup, all these different scenarios that can happen with separation and anxiety. How do we, you know, as parents be... I guess the, the the thing is, is that I feel that some parents might listen to this show and you might answer this question already where they're like, well, you know what? This doesn't pertain to my son or daughter. I don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But just so I'm hearing you hundred percent, you are saying, Hey, no matter what, you should still exercise that part, that, that muscle of theirs to learn how to be not around mom and dad. That's right. So that, and, and I'm not saying like, you know, for long periods of time, but you're saying, let them see mom and dad go out on date night. Let them see mom go to the gym to work out. Let them see, yes. you know, dad uh, have to go for a run and, and Hey, so-and-so is going to watch you for, for a few, you know, an hour or uh, something And I would like argue that. that's in everyone's okay. best interest. That okay. if we as parents are constantly tapped, like we constantly have to have our kid like on our hip, um, there's going to be times when that's just not realistic and we're setting our children up to have a freak out because they don't feel like they can just be by themselves. And then we're setting up ourselves for potential resentment over time that we are always, always having to wear the parenting hat and never being able, and we've done this in a show as well, like the importance of maintaining our own identity maintaining our own well-being as individuals so that we can be great parents. What I took from today's show right now after you said all of that is that 
a lot of some of the problems, at least I've dealt with, with my own kids, I may have helped create mm-hmm. by thinking, I'm doing such a good job by doing A, B, and C, which is such a tough thing to learn as a parent. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm sure that's a takeaway that some of our listeners came with today. Yeah. The question is, where, where might I be in this particular- Where's the balance? Yeah. Where's the balance? <laughs> as you would like to say, the sweet spot, the yum-yum. The yum yum. Quoting Anea Bogue right there. Hey, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. Got to thank our listener uh, and our listeners for taking the time to email us. This show is driven by your questions, your concerns, your comments. It's the Rad Parenting community. Any ideas or questions for the show you have, please continue sending them radparenting at gmail.com. Also, text uh, the word parenting to 313131 and we will get you the show sooner than anyone else. All right, my name is Joe Sib. And Danae Bo. And we're out of here. Late. Late.